In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Remove him from office. No justice, no peace. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. Will you shut Who is up, man? Listen. Hello, and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Amanda Duberman. And for those of you who are just tuning in, the Betches Sub Podcast is your daily rundown of all the crazy shit happening in the news, brought to you by your two funniest, most exhausted friends. <laughs> Which is us. It's us. Yeah. I really Again. connected when you said that yesterday, and I was like, we could, we don't have to be the funniest every day. Yeah, we could adapt it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we promise not to be tired every day, but right. we were tired yesterday. <laughs> okay, fine. Exhausted isn't actually the word. Anxious. Two most anxious friends. See, anxiety is making us exhausted. Yeah. I mean, we 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 have talked about possibly doing a whole episode devoted to election anxiety, but um, maybe just we'll do right now before we I show It's funny because I think it's quite telling that uh, we don't have time to do an episode on election anxiety. We tried, but we couldn't figure out a time. So, right. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> How are, what are you doing to soothe yours? I'm honestly not really doing much. And I'm not, I'm sort of in this middle ground where sometimes it makes me less anxious to like give myself a break about it and just like let myself have it instead of beating myself up. I also have the benefit of like, it's my job. So like whenever my fiance is yelling at me for being on my phone, I can say it's work and I'm never really wrong if I don't want to be. Right. And I've been like, I told you, I've been like spending my evenings watching TV, preparing my materials for Tuesday. I have some reference materials. I'm going to, I put them together, print them out. I'm literally going to be like, <laughs> like Homeland and I'm going to put them on my wall. There's an electro oh mop on my wall. <laughs> that is cute. <laughs> if oh you guys gosh, want you my reference.dm me, I'll, I'll tell you what's in it. But that's what I'm doing to soothe myself. Just like getting myself prepared for every outcome. How about you? Yeah, I'm just like kind of bathing in the anxiety at this point. Um, but because, yeah, I'm like, okay, at least like I can channel it into like this. Like, yeah, I, I'm fully now like aware, ready to talk about the news because I've so all I've been doing is consuming it. I know. And now and, everybody's listening to us, which is great. Wow. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh you're all like, just in like the general news world. It's always kind of jarring when like suddenly you get to like debate time and then you're like, we've been talking about this forever. It's all we think about. And then it's like, oh, you're all here. Hello. Right. People Welcome. come out of the woodwork with their opinions and it's oh, like, course. oh, you watched. Right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, I am just, I'm just kind of like trying to channel it into content and, um, that is my main thing. And I'm trying, I, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic because, but I'm like preparing for the worst, but expecting the best mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I feel that like, I don't want to be blindsided and disappointed. Cause like, that's, um, not productive pain. So I am very much aware and we'll get into this as one of our stories um, of like what the Republicans and, and Trump is, are doing mm -hmm. so that they can try to steal the election. So I'm like in my mind, I like I'm balancing the knowledge that that is happening with 
the positive uh signals I'm seeing from the polls and how people are feeling right. about Biden and just the performance that Biden is putting on and the campaign he's running, mm -hmm. which is just like, I think he's really run a very good campaign. Totally. Um, like from a, like from a campaign quality standpoint, actually, um, which is, I really, you got to give him credit with Corona. And I think that like the best indicator of how someone will govern is the campaign that they run and how competent it, it is. And he is just really hit the right notes in a bad situation. And it gives me a lot of faith in what in what might be to come if he is able to secure the win and not have it stolen from him. Right. I know. I love what Obama's been saying, which is that, like, it can be boring. And that's great. Like, you guys, we can go back to being bored. Yes, we're in a yeah. point in the campaign. I mean, you sent me this this morning. Like, the New York Times has nothing to report on Joe Biden. So they're making stories about guessing which fridge belongs to a Biden supporter and a Trump supporter. Like there's no bad news about Biden. So they're just, there's nothing to do. And like you're saying, like every day that goes by, I feel a little like, okay, another day went by and millions of people voted and nothing crazy happened. But so you and I have been talking about this and I think a lot of people use planning to cope, but we don't know what our world looks like after Tuesday for you and I, in like a professional sense, we don't know what we're going to be covering. I mean, we have a sense that that week is, you know, going to be, there are certain outcomes, but we have no, I, we can't really prep certain things. Right. We just have to wait and see, which is, I don't know. I, I do feel a sense of calm, but then it's strange because when I'm really anxious, like I don't feel stressed, but my body will like remind me that it's in a, like a state. Like I'm in that point where it's like, like my BO is like, a thing and I'm not running around. It's just because I'm stressed. And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know I was that stressed. And like, suddenly I'm like, why am I hot? Why am I jumping out of bed? I don't feel in my head that I'm thinking negative, anxious thoughts all the time, but my body is, is ready. You know, I'm experiencing that exact thing to be completely honest. Um, I just, uh, yeah, if you're getting BO. <laughs> what? DM us if you're getting stressed, B.O. It's not OK. It's not necessarily B.O., but it's like just very my palms are sweating. You yep, know, my palms all the time. sweat. yeah, you know, my palms sweat. Um, And honestly, like I'm just sort of feeling like like it, it's, it's hard for me to not be able to envision past like have any sort of vision that goes past like Tuesday and and to know that like at that point it will all shift and then it will be clear and that's just like a little bit of a scary thing for me yeah it's very strange that the to watch the runway get shorter and shorter and shorter you know we've been having lots of guests on working with the Biden campaign and prepping lots of content and graphics for people about the election and it's like we can't really we have stuff planned for Tuesday but beyond that I don't know in that sense it is a little bit calming because when I am like oh shit I got to I got a plan for a week from now. I'm like, oh, too bad. I can't. Right. It's like very, very difficult. And it's weird. Yeah. Like, that's what's that's what's stressful about it. But no, I your 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 uh, observations on anxiety are very astute. I've been making them for a long time Okay, <laughs> Great. on my own. <laughs> exactly. Uh, one exciting thing that is happening at 4 p.m. today is I'm going live with Jessica Yellen on uh, her account and and my and the Betcha Sup account and we already talked about the election. So tune in if you happen to listen to this in the very small sliver. Which we we'll put it on Insta Tots. Yeah, Sammy, I wanted you to do this first story this morning, which I just started looking into. But I believe there was a Trump rally last night, as there are most nights. Can you 
describe to us how this event ended. <laughs> yes. So Trump went to Omaha, Nebraska. Why did he go to Nebraska? Because they have they split their electoral votes. So he's like pretty desperate. He's got to get that vote. It's like that vote is actually pretty critical um, to him having a pathway to 270. So he was in Omaha, Nebraska. Okay. It was 32 degrees last night. Just happens to be almost November. So um, there he held a rally at like an airfield. Um, I believe it was called Epley airfield. And they, the parking at the rally was like four, like three or four miles away uh, from the rally itself. So Trump provided kindly, kindly buses for people to get from their car to the rally. Okay. But small snag in the plan. He did not provide them on the way back. So he takes off in Air Force One immediately after the rally. And everyone's just like, oh, where, how do I get to my car? And during and the rally, he was remarking on how cold and uncomfortable it was. He was right. just like, well, where else would you rather be? Geez, I, I mean, I'm not going to put a hat on. I, that would make me weak. And then he right, leaves. Right. So, okay, so they don't provide buses. So you have like tons of kids and elderly people stuck in the freezing cold. Um, for hours. Then they had to waiting for transportation. They didn't get any. They then they had to walk miles back to where their cars were parked because they had no transportation. Um, at least thirty people were in need of medical attention. Several went to the hospital because it was affecting like their mental state because it was so cold. Um, so yeah, I don't even have a joke. But I know that it is. It's so fucked up. They are truly just. It's just a coincidence, not a coincidence, that might sound callous, but like that, that nobody died. Like that was a deadly lethal scenario for some of those elderly people. Like police, police dispatches throughout the night were saying, police were saying like, I'm with a couple, they're elderly, they're not breathing, they're not making sense. Like no. what's going on? They are just, again, I don't, the word isn't lucky, but like that absolutely could have been a scenario where somebody lost their life because the campaign didn't coordinate enough buses and is having rallies also in that county is like the highest COVID cases in the state. Yeah. I mean, that's how much you want six days out. That's how much the president cares about you. Everybody like that is how much he is willing to uh, consider his, his supporters. He sees them as props. What if like, and I would wonder like what, what I'm curious about is like, are they still going to vote for him? I know. That's what I really want to know. I'm sure many people are wondering the same thing. Yeah. I don't don't know. know. They should be quarantining after going out like that. We'll see. We'll see if he snagged that one electoral vote. And and here's the thing. He's like, well, our rallies are outdoors, so it's safe. Okay. You packed them into buses to get there. You packed them into buses to get there. Right. And almost murdered them when they tried to get back. He does not care if any of us live or die. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of 
gifts do you have for Dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner. Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. So Elise and I touched on uh, the SCOTUS ruling yesterday about Wisconsin and touched a little bit on how this could affect Election Day in the following days. We wanted to take a slightly closer look at that and then talk a little bit about what election night will be like. That will be followed up by an interview that I did yesterday with Ben Sheehan, who we love. He wrote, OMG, WTF, does the Constitution actually say? You read that too, Sammy, right? I read about half of it yeah, and yeah. then I got distracted, but it was very good what it's I read. And I should go back to it, honestly. Well, it's one of those things that it's good to like keep next to you and you look at it when you you need it because we've been getting a lot of questions about like, does the Constitution anticipate a dispute election? Like what is actually going to happen? Who do we even vote for? So I actually felt a lot calmer after talking to him. He gave us like action steps of things you can do to watch out for, to try to avoid these scenarios or, or mm-hmm. raise the alarm. So that will be after this episode. So as we mentioned yesterday, Kavanaugh in the concurring opinion yesterday, he wrote that deadlines in Wisconsin should not be extended six days, as the state was trying to allow, to avoid the chaos and suspicions of impropriety that can ensue if thousands of absentee ballots flow in after Election Day and potentially flip the results of an election. This is very alarming because, of course, as Justin Kagan pointed out in her dissent, which we didn't mention yesterday, is that there's no result to flip until all ballots are counted. Also, Kavanaugh used found his rationale based on an article that uh, actually concluded the opposite, but I guess he didn't do his reading. (laughs) He loves beer too much. So Democrats are now worried that this inflammatory claim is going to raise some alarm and cause suspicion and could sort of forecast some post-election disputes. Because this is exactly what Donald Trump wants, is for us to think that the votes that come in after Election Day or even counted after Election Day are in any way different or suspicious or illegitimate just because they're coming in late. So that was a pretty shocking statement from Kavanaugh and not not really a comforting one from a justice when we're maybe anticipating disputes like this. Yeah. You have to wonder, like, was that part of the plan? 
to 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 make the statement so that there's like almost like a well I said it like a legitimacy and that he said it before it became a problem for Trump. Mm-hmm. But you have to wonder like doesn't it sort of also affect Trump's voters? Exactly. Oh, of course. Absolutely. But, but then I think like okay, overall suppression helps them, but like why would it help why would it proportionally matter if you're cutting it off? I mean, it might have something to do with the poll today that said that Biden is 17 points ahead in Wisconsin, which is kind of a crazy poll. But according to five, I mean, on average, he's about nine points ahead in Wisconsin. There are about 320,000 absentee ballots that have not been returned yet in Wisconsin. And as we said yesterday, if you vote in Wisconsin, you should drop it off or figure out a way to vote in person. I would say um, that anywhere. I would say that's a good point, actually. Anywhere Both you should do anywhere. That. Yeah, yeah. But Wisconsin, if you are under the impression that you had six days after Election Day, you you don't anymore. So that's 320,000. Hillary Clinton lost Wisconsin by 23,000 votes. So turnout's looking good. I mean, it's it's... It's it's a good margin, but this sucks. And honestly, what's more harmful at this point, maybe even than the decision, is Kavanaugh's like dog whistle about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, he he's on the court for a reason. There's a reason they picked him. What's scary is that he's a media, he is technically the median justice in terms of like the ideological ranking. Um, so that's a little frightening. Also, he knows he's full of shit because he we I think we mentioned this yesterday. It's hard to remember like where anything was talked about ever because I I feel like I just recycle the same points like (laughs) like I'm just reciting them to myself like, well, it's wrong because like, you know, Um, he worked on the Bush first Gore campaign and they argued that uh, ballots should be counted like that arrived, I believe, 10 days past it's just funny because i was thinking yesterday it's like okay so he barrett and roberts worked on bush v gore and then all of these cases come up and they keep citing bush v gore and it's like of course you think you were right when you were young and working on that campaign or that case it's like a reunion special so about 80 million americans have requested mail ballots in total Counting mail ballots, it's a process. You have to open them a lot of places. You match the signatures. You check the eligibility. There's a lot of like shit that you have to do just to get them ready for the big day when most states start tabulating them. And my impression is that process doesn't take that long. It's the pre-processing. A lot of states allow election officials to start this pre-processing process, pre-processing process (laughs) early, like weeks at a time or even as soon as ballots come in, which makes a lot of sense to me. Why not get everything ready? Other states right. don't let officials touch the ballots until election day or election night. So that's going to cause maybe potentially the delays that Brett Kavanaugh is trying to suggest are illegitimate in some way. I mean, the whole they 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 told us what they were going to do months ago. They right. were going to like try to hamper the mail. When this was when before I think people were voting in person in droves and everyone thought they were going to vote by mail. Their plan was to, to stop the mail. Yeah. They got lucky that RBG happened to, to die. Like that was not, it's now that they have the Supreme court that like really basically gives it to them, assuming it goes there. But like they got lucky about that. And then it like helps, you know, I guess give Mm -hmm. a foundation to their mail plan. Like, cause the mail plan was like, stop it. They needed someone to say some legitimate court to say, um, that you can't count those. Right. Right. To make the mail stopping effective in the first place. Right. And already with the counting process, I mean, already with this delay, the longer the delay lasts, 
I keep calling it a delay, but I want to come up with a more neutral term because it's normal. It's not a delay. It's not like it's late. These things will take time. But the longer it takes after election day to get a result, the more likely the leading candidate on election day will try to sow confusion and suspicion about what remains to be counted. So if that is Trump- Why do we assume that's the leading? Oh, you're saying if that's Trump. I think if that's Trump- it could be either way. If that's tr- I don't think Biden will do that. There's also no. a huge chance Biden could win on election night or just lead on election night with all the early voting, especially like. So, Sammy, take us through what states come in when and what this could maybe hint to us about what the night could be like. Yeah. So it really all depends on like when different states are announced um, and then which of those whoever wins and whether or not they get to 270. So Arizona, Florida and North Carolina are all able to give us their counts on election night. So if all of those go for Biden, he could win on November 3rd. Pennsylvania has 20 electoral votes and Michigan has 16, but they're probably not going to have their final count until Friday, November 6th, because they allow, I believe, um, they believe they allow it to be counted for if they arrive up to three days late. So those are also likely Biden states. Um, So let's say he wins Arizona, North Carolina, but Florida is not done being counted or Trump wins Florida, but he wins Pennsylvania and Michigan. You could know Friday that he won those. Yeah. There are also some other, exactly. There are some little States that Biden could, could rack up to win election night, but the big one is right. Texas, right. He could rack up a bunch of of votes to still win election night because they're announced then, but Texas has a potential for flipping NBC news, put them as a toss up last night. Rachel bike Kofer's uh, model puts them at a, a toss up as well. So if, and, and there is so much turnout in Texas, we don't know who it's for, but there is a ton of turnout in Texas. They would announce election night. So if Biden were to win Texas, he could win election night. Um, Wisconsin also now expects to know on election night. So especially now that they need the ballots coming early, drop your ballots, <laughs> off if you're in Wisconsin, like right now. So if if they know on election night and he wins Wisconsin, that could also be another path to victory. And speaking of Wisconsin, the latest ABC News Washington Post poll in Wisconsin puts him up 17 points, um, 57% to 40% among likely voters. Yesterday was yeah. the first time I put some polls on SUP on the stories that had Biden looking good, just because I thought maybe people people are freaking out. And I was like, maybe people need a tiny bit of soothing today. So I put it up. And within like 10 minutes, like 40 people were like, no, no, take this down. I don't want people to see this. I was like, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'll chill. I'll chill. I I took it down. It's fine. Get everybody out there. (laughs) I try not to share that. I try to be really selective because like you just create an impression in people's heads and and it can be received in such, you know, you never know. Yeah. And we'll be sharing more. I mean... What is your, do you have an election night mental health plan? Mike says I need one. He's like, you need a plan, like an actual plan with a strategy and with like fixes in place and corrections if needed. Um, well, I'm prescribed panic medication yeah. for cases like right. <laughs> so I have that on hand. Um, yeah. I don't plan to drink. I don't, maybe I'll have like a little alcohol, but like I don't think getting drunk is like a good mixture for such an emotional high ten for me like it's not what i want to be doing yeah um but i will drink like a little bit 
Um, totally. Right. I obviously plan to have like full range of snacks of all consistencies, flavors, and types. Yeah. <laughs> um, Consistencies is key. Sometimes yeah. you want to crunch. Temperature. Sometimes like... Sometimes I can't eat if I'm really stressed. So I need to make sure I have like really like delicious bars. I can't say no to. Right. Like I'm going to have all that taken care of. Um, My mother's going to be here. Oh, good. Oh, that's great. That'll be a moment. We have our passports just in case. (laughs) Yeah. We have food. It's ready. Yeah. um, (laughs) Oh my God. I can't believe this is happening. It's happening so soon. Yeah, I mean, hopefully this goes down as one of my overreactions. Uh, oh, for sure. On the list. Yeah, I mean, but, the more I was looking into the likelihood of us knowing on election night, the more I felt like that could possibly happen. But it's so hard because we're seeing these numbers like he has Biden has a ninety three percent chance of winning. We have an eighty percent chance of taking the Senate. It's like we that's really what we thought last time. That's exactly what we thought last time. And of course, all the polls are different. And they're, you know, you and I have exchanged lots of links of that are basically like, here's why this time really looks like it's different. Right. Also, like reality, like, Mm -hmm. like, just like all that was when he was the apprentice, not when he was the president who said to drink bleach. And there is evidence that people have change their minds about him um and i do think it is possible like i don't know like it's criminally negligent homicide every day (laughs) every day yeah this morning they added they added um like conquering the pandemic to a list of health and technology achievements of the administration like no you You can't check something off your to-do list if you never put it on there and they never tried to end the pandemic right i also don't want to underestimate the importance of like the the Republican contingency that sw- is willing to switch to Biden and the work of like and the fact that he is a moderate, which makes that like a less of a feat, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. to make for some people to make that switch and just be like, he's not like you can't paint him as a socialist. Right. All these arguments against him like they have not worked. It's yes. just I he's, feel like he's there's fine a lot of fracking. He's not a socialist. Right. It's you fine. can frack all you want. Frack all you want. I don't give a frack. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's just like more evidence, but I don't know. We'll see. There's yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll be with you every day until then. But um, so we've been talking a lot about election night. We wanted to turn to an expert to guide us through possible paths after election night. So that's why we talked to Ben. So we talked about, you know, when we cast our votes, we cast electors. What do those electors do with our votes? He talks about there are dates to remember that are not just November 3rd and January 20th. There are three other dates in between those that are key. And he tells us what those are and what we need to be watching for in the event it ends up being a situation where we don't know what the electors are going to do. But as we've discussed, we're hopeful. We are manifesting an 11-3-2020 victory night. But stick around for having all the information you need to be as prepared as possible. Uh, I always learn so much when we talk to him. I'm just furious. He keeps all of that information in his head. I know. Well, you could read his book. It's there too. Yes. Yes. Stick around. Welcome back, everyone. This is Amanda. And today I am back with Ben Sheehan, author of OMG WTF, Does the Constitution Actually Say, founder of OMG WTF Vote, expert extraordinaire, and lots of things we're all talking about. Thanks so much for coming back. Thank you so much for having me again. Yeah, it's really funny. I I get an opportunity to interview lots of people on this podcast, lots of impressive people, including you. Um, But my parents, um, 
only watch Bill Maher. That's all they do. It's their <laughs> number one program. And when they found out I interviewed you who had gone on Bill Maher, I think that's the proudest they've ever been. <laughs> I'm so uh, uh, honored and privileged to be a, a part of your family story. Yes, yes. Next is, if I ever interviewed Bill Maher, I don't know what they'd do. <laughs> and I don't know what Twitter would do to me. So we'd have to see. <laughs> but so we want to talk to you all about the election. Uh, your book, I have found myself tapping into it really frequently um, just to answer questions that seem to arise all the time about what our founders meant when they wrote all of this down. Um, so today we're talking on Tuesday. Uh, people are listening on Wednesday. Today we are one week away from an election that has unpredictable outcomes. Some of us are certain of the outcome. We don't know if that's the outcome that's going to stick. There are a lot of questions. My first question is, does the Constitution anticipate disputed elections? And what processes does the president have available to him or her if he doesn't like the outcome? So it doesn't anticipate disputed elections per se, but it does give a tiebreaker and uh, a situation for sort of events that could arise that could complicate things during both the um, uh, right after the election and, and, and up until Inauguration Day. So. One of those two things is that if there is a tie for uh, in the electoral vote for president, uh, if nobody gets a majority of electoral votes, the House gets to pick the president. And they pick the president from the top three electoral vote receivers, and they vote by state. So every state gets one vote. So California, doesn't matter that they have the most representatives, they get one vote, and Florida gets one, and, and they do it by the delegation. So meaning that all of California's 53 representatives would vote. And however they vote, that California's one vote would go for that person. And you need a full majority of states, so 26 to win. Has that ever happened? Yeah, it's happened twice. So in 1800 and in 1824, and in 1800, it went so badly that they had to amend (laughs) the process because (laughs) it was, they voted and they kept tying and they voted 35 times and no one could get a majority of states. And so- That's a real tie. I know. And there's a there's sort of a, I mean, the, the musical Hamilton kind of gets this wrong, but they, they allude to this event and um, basically Hamilton like helped get some of the uh, uh, representatives in, in states to flip their votes. And so the whole states went for Jefferson uh, and he beat Aaron, Aaron Burr. Right. So that time, and then uh, in 1824 and the winner of that election, John Quincy Adams actually didn't win either a majority of the electoral vote or the popular vote and became the president. <laughs> um, so two, twice before, and then the Senate, um, if no one gets a majority of electoral votes for vice president, um, the Senate picks the vice president and they do it from the top two electoral vote getters and a majority. And they do it by senator. So all 100 senators. And then you need a majority of uh, 51 uh, to be vice president. And that's happened once as well. I think it's 1836. Got it. Got it. So, so that's what it says. But then um, but then there doesn't say anything about disputed elections, but federal laws sort of address this issue. Got it. What the Constitution does say a lot about, which even though I've read it a lot, surprises me every time, um, is who we actually vote for when we vote for president. People know that we don't go by the popular vote, but they might be even more disturbed to learn that what you're even voting for when you vote for president. Who are we actually voting for? You're actually voting for uh, a, a, a slate of electors that are chosen by uh, the political parties um, uh, in each state. And if you are voting, and in some states they do list the electors, in many states oh. they don't list the electors. So you're voting for people that you're not fully aware of who they are. And their only job is to then, uh, about a month and a half later, vote 
directly for the president and vice president. So we not not only do we not vote directly for the president, we don't have the constitutional right to vote for our president. That's I don't love that. <laughs> no, I don't either. <laughs> no. So what role would these electors potentially play in the event of a protracted count? A lot of what I've been hearing is that the longer, I mean, I don't want to sort of, I think Brett Kavanaugh, sort of Justice Kavanaugh said this a bit yesterday, maybe with different motivations, but the longer the count goes on, the more chaos and confusion it could cause, even if it's literally just because votes are being counted, because that's a normal process. When does that sort of raise questions about electors' role? And to that end, what role would state legislatures then play? So, well, I hadn't. I had heard he mentioned something about this in the Wisconsin decision. I didn't yeah. read the the quote, but I think anyone who says counting counting votes is a problem is that there's a lot of uh, reason to be suspicious about that. Yeah. Um. So there are two dates that are really important to put down on your calendar if you want to, you know, put the, throw these on your iCal or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, December eighth is the first one, and this is something called the safe harbor date, and it's established by federal law. And basically, in the the weeks after the uh, election. There is this opportunity if there's a controversy in a state, if there's a, uh, um, if there are claims of, I don't know, vote by mail fraud or multiple people voting multiple times or, or any sort of controversy that could go to court, in- including recounts and disputes. Um, the, the state can, can settle those uh, controversies. And if they do it in a, in a, way that's consistent with their own laws that are passed before election day, they could theoretically make a different slate of electors appointed, appoint a different slate of electors different from the popular vote. Now, there are 17 states that uh, have electors that don't have to follow the popular vote in the state, including Pennsylvania and Georgia and Texas. Um, So what is possible to happen is that there's a controversy in one of those 17 states and the legislature says, you know what, we're going to pick the electors ourselves and they pick some slate of electors. And in those states, they don't have to follow the popular vote. Now, as long as the law is passed before election day, so Mm -hmm. until November 2nd, so pay attention to your state legislators until then and follow them on, you know, you can look up who they are at openstates.org, follow them on Twitter and Instagram, make sure they follow the popular vote um, and and don't pass some crazy law before election day. Um, So that's one thing to do. And then uh, if they act on that law by December 8th, they could potentially pick a different slate of electors. But if it's just taking a while for the votes to get counted, they have until December 14th, which is when the actual vote of the electors takes place, where all the electors meet in the state's capital and cast their their two votes, one for president, one for vice president. Gotcha. So what you're saying is that states would have to give themselves cover basically right now in order to leave an open-ended question about what they would do with their electors. Okay, that's reassuring. Yeah, I mean, those laws might already exist but yeah. it's definitely like if you see a law being passed in the next week uh or six days saying that you know um you know here's how we settle disputes in elections like be very worried that's not okay. an accident that's that's laying the groundwork okay we're going to be watching that really really closely yeah and i mean the role of state legislatures is especially upsetting when you consider something you pay really close attention to as well which is gerrymandering and that just the the lay the minority rule just seems to compound over and over again um So are there any precedents for electors or state legislatures going against or considering making some sort of determination about the will of the people before it's clear? 
Yeah, there is, unfortunately. Oh, um, so it hasn't happened in a while. But yeah. um, what, uh, what happened in 1876, uh, in the election of 1876, is that a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but four states, um, three in the South, sent uh, competing slates of electors. And Whoa. the governor sent one and the state legislature sent one. And there was confusion over which slate to count. So wow. they ended up settling the dispute over and this, there's like really, I mean, it, it's a whole long story, but basically, uh, you know, the 100 years of Jim Crow almost are directly responsible because of this election, the end of Reconstruction and uh, uh, selling out yeah. uh, the South and, and creating white supremacists, you know, run state governments in the South. But what happened was they sent multiple slates of electors, they weren't sure which ones to count, they had to establish a commission and the election didn't get decided officially until two days before Inauguration Day. And there were two competing inaugurations being planned. And so 11 years later, uh, Congress passed a law, uh, or or 10 years, I guess, the Electoral Count Act of 1887 to to deal with this. Um, But the law is pretty much unintelligible. In fact, anybody who wants to see how bad this is, uh, Google, you know, Cornell Law School, you can read a bunch of federal laws. So look that (laughs) up and look up Section 15 uh, and read that and try to make sense of it. Because even the most, you know, expert constitutional scholars debate over what it actually says. And this is the law that governs the counting of electoral votes that happens on January 6th that is overseen Mm -hmm. by Mike Pence. Um, So that is the precedent for, you know, multiple slates being being sent. But I think it's important to know that until 1880, at least one state and, and in many elections, multiple states didn't let people vote for president and the legislatures just picked the um, mm-hmm. electors themselves. So it hasn't happened to answer your question. It hasn't happened in a long time, but it, it used to happen fairly frequently. Yeah. Was there any discussion about it happening in 2000? Were there well, concerns? There were concerns, but, um, you know, it ended up being decided because it ended up being decided in the Supreme Court. We didn't right, end up right. reaching um, we didn't end up reaching that safe harbor date. So it, it didn't end up, ma- you know, end up mattering because if it had gotten mm. really close to that, you could have had that happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, the Supreme Court basically decided the election before that became a reality. Got it. Um, so moving on, before we move on to sort of the topic, I want to talk about the Supreme Court and processes for maybe expanding that. But, you know, a lot of the questions covering this, I'm sure you know, is hard because you don't want to be alarmist. I want everyone to feel comfortable voting and feel like they understand and comprehend the events that unfold. What sort of things are you reading and watching and rereading to calm you down, soothe you, make you feel prepared? And like, what would you recommend people sort of keep in mind as this process is playing out? Um, well, <laughs> there's, a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of escapist stuff that I'm, that I'm reading and watching just to like put my mind at ease about, yeah. about all of this. But I, um, I, I think it is just, number one is just pay attention to your state legislators. Yeah. Uh, okay. and if you don't, again, if you don't know who these people are, go to openstates.org, plug in your address. Um, two is that if there was an opportunity for the house to pick the presidency and the Senate, you know, to, to, the House to pick the president, the Senate to pick the, the vice president. It's the new Congress that does this. Because okay. This is at, you know, the members of Congress are sworn in on January 3rd. The electoral count happens on January 6th. And then if nobody gets a majority or there's a tie, then the new Congress would be deciding this, this process. So what does that mean? Well, right now, let's say the House picks the president, right? Has the opportunity to pick the president for the first time since 1824. Um, what it would do is because it's delegations, so it, it, it's really important the delegations in each 
states. So like, you know, Wyoming's one representative has as much power as all 53 representatives in, in California. So right now, the breakdown of states is 26 Republican-led House delegations, uh, 23 Democrat-led de- House delegations, and I'm, I'm including Michigan's, which is seven Democrats, six Republicans, and one Libertarian. Uh, so a very slight Democratic majority. And then Pennsylvania's is split directly down the middle, nine, nine and nine. So if congressional delegations were to flip in a state, that changes the state's vote. So like right now in Florida, you have 14 Republicans and 13 Democrats. If one seat were to flip, that makeup would then be 14 Democrats, 13 Republicans, mm-hmm. and Florida's vote for president in this tiebreaker could would go to the Democrats. So it's important to pay attention to your congressional, your, your House and Senate elections, because if it got to this point, they could play a huge role in deciding the president and the vice president. And there's also opportunities to dispute or, or object to mm-hmm. the returns from a state. And again, it's when Pence is overseeing the counting, it's the new House and Senate that are there. So one senator or one representative are needed to object, and, and that's the new representative. So congressional elections this year will play a huge role if it got to that um, point. So that's definitely not an escapist fun thing that I'm <laughs> reading, but it's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Um, so I guess, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at like musical parodies on Twitter and then just like depressed articles about, you know, the 1800s. Yeah, perfect. Right. I think I'm going to check out that that Cornell archive. I feel like I'm just like, I've never felt like an athlete before, but I'm like weekends. I'm just like going through plays. I already know. I'm just like Texas, Florida. We got it. I don't have anything else to do. So I will definitely be checking those out. But moving, um, pivoting slightly, does the Supreme Court say how many Supreme Court justices we have to have or lay out a process for changing that? How is this, the number of justices uh, taken up by the Constitution? So the Supreme Court has no control over how many Supreme Court justices there are. That is exclusively up to Congress. Congress can pass by a federal law to establish the number of Supreme Court justices, and they've changed it a number of times. Again, the last time was in the 1800s, but for the first uh, 100 years of the country or so, uh, it changed a bunch. It started with six, and then went down to five, and then up to seven, and then up to nine, and then up to 10, and then back to down to nine. So ever since 1869, we've had nine justices, but all it takes is a, a, a law, a federal law. So pass passed by Congress, signed by the president, or passed by two-thirds of Congress without the president's signature, and boom, you have a, a new number of justices on the Supreme Court. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to note for people that it's happened repeatedly. This wouldn't be some incredibly aberrant thing that that whatever party decides moves to do it would be doing. Um, my final question, like I said, I've been picking up your book a lot, and every time, you know, this administration has really tried our knowledge of the Constitution and, and I think exposed a lot more people to it, but I'm sure there are also questions that get raised or sort of viral ideas that are so off and get repeated that you as an expert probably think, like, that's not right. I was just curious if you had any big pet peeves about the Constitution that get repeated, especially lately. So... I, I wrote about this yesterday. I, I wrote a, um, an op-ed in the Washington Post about what the Constitution says about our right to vote. And mm-hmm. I think that there are things that the Constitution is blamed for that it didn't actually do, and the fault really lies with state governments. So one thing that I hear all the time is that the Constitution only lets white men vote or that it only lets white men, pro- male property owners vote. Um, 
it doesn't say anything about who can vote, but it left it up to the states and the states are the ones that disenfranchise. And the reason is that if they had said who can and can't vote in the constitution, you wouldn't have gotten nine states to ratify it because some states would disagree. Some states in the north would say, well, we, we don't agree with that. Or states in the south say, well, we don't want to agree with that. So by leaving it up to the states, they could get enough states to ratify it. So all these, you know, things that we've heard over the years about who can and can't vote, um, it was all really the states. It's, it's the state governments that, you know, while Congress can override state governments with a federal law around voting, like establishing election day or the 1965 Voting Rights Act, um, you know, it, our elections are so run at the state level. And I just feel like our understanding of where the power lies is often by default, we just assume the federal government can do it, but it's really our state governments. And if we're trying to combat disenfranchisement and racism, and especially racist policies and voter suppression, it's really, it, the, look to state and county governments. That's really where it, where it lies. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Ben. We really appreciate it. Until the return of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman, and this is the Betches Up podcast. We used to do till the end, and now we do the return. I love that. The Betches Sub podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. 